today, and I'm excited to be here. And for one week only, and one week only, we're bringing back neighboring. So get it now while it's hot. I think that's a strategy that McDonald's uses with some of its food, so we figure it works at McDonald's, it'll work here. So one week only, like a good neighbor, is back. And this is something we want to do over through this year is we want to keep this in front of us. We've spent two months as a community in November, or September and October going through neighboring, what it means to be a good neighbor and how the biblical, as Christians, biblically, we are called to two things. And, and Tom and I agree, we, th- we think we're pretty good at one, which is love God. And we tend to be pretty crummy at loving our neighbor. And that's hard. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to, we're going to be exploring neighboring from, from my vision and from my idea. And, and really the thrust of the whole thing and why we showed that long video that seemed to drag on forever and had a lot of hopefully good information that hopefully you learned something through is that neighboring, so I'm giving you the end now, so don't leave though, please. Uh, I'm giving you the end, that neighboring brings the kingdom of heaven to earth in a very tangible way. Neighboring brings the kingdom of heaven to earth in a very special way. So today, from where we sit, from where you're sitting right now, we can do some pretty incredible things together. It, through, through our vehicles. I love cars. I'm a big car. I never thought I would be like this when I was younger, but, but I, I love Top Gear and car shows and cars in general. I love working on cars. I love... Can you, can you get the picture? I love, I love cars. But what, what's possible through our vehicles is pretty incredible. It's amazing. Top Gear, they do these things called Top Gear Specials. Uh, if you've never watched Top Gear, it's kind of like a, a, a car show, but more it's like a variety car revolving around cars. But they take cars to places that you just feel like they should never go. The middle of jungles, into deserts and in places where you think, I would never drive my car there, but they always tend to make it out, and it's amazing. So cars are pretty awesome tools. They, they bring us places and do things that I think are just amazing. And, and, and from your driveway, think about this, from your driveway, the world is open to you. From your driveway. So you can pull out of your driveway and, and let's, let's imagine for a second that you, you decide to pull out of the driveway here after service and decide not to go home. If you drove in your car and you crossed the bridge to Duluth, you'd take about just a few minutes, right? It wouldn't take very long. And then in Duluth, if you, you started heading south on 35, you would hit Cloquet in 20 minutes. Not very long. Minneapolis would take you two hours and th- 22 minutes. Still not very long. You would be out of Minnesota on 35 before supper time. In four hours, a little, little over four hours, you'd be out of Minnesota. And two, you'd be to Kansas City before bedtime. Think about this. So if you decided right now, I'm not going home, I'm climbing in my car and I'm taking off, you could be in Kansas City before you need to get to bed. It'd be just a little over eight hours and 30 minutes away. And if you kept on heading south on 35, you'd hit the Mexico-United States border in 24 hours. Think about that. So tomorrow at noon, if you took off at noon from here, tomorrow at noon you could be at the the Mexican border 
If you wanted to visit Carlina and Sean uh, Cislo, uh, former pastors here, you're looking at 35 hours, 2,258 miles. So 35 hours. So just a little bit over a day and you could be in Mexico City. And if you're feeling really spicy and really adventurous to, to take off and do this today, if you're feeling so adventurous on some sort of highway or road, you could make it to Panama City, Panama in 82 hours, 4,293 miles away. Isn't that incredible that, that we can do that? Think about this. Panama City is only a little over 600 miles away from the equator. Like, we're a long way from the equator. So that just, that, that, that fascinates me that that's, it's that close. And if you decided to take off to Panama City after church, you'd have a lot of opportunity to ask, are we, are we there yet? There'd be a lot of are we there yet in that trip, 82 hours and the funny thing is, as I was looking at this, the funny thing is, I didn't have to drive to Panama City to like, tell you this information. All I needed to do was climb on to Google Maps in a few short keystrokes that spit out directions, all the directions, to Panama City. And I could follow that and get to Panama City. I think that is just, well, it's incredible. It's incredible. And you may not have figured it out yet, in life, but we have the ultimate guide to our lives in the Bible. This is, this is, a, this is a quick one. Well, this will be extra. We won't charge you for this. The Bible is our roadmap to our lives, right? We can all agree to that. And we have that at our disposal at any moment. And so I think you can see the correlation between maps and the Bible. And so I think it's just amazing that, that God has given us this incredible book, this incredible piece of literature, and this incredible piece of information to show us and tell us and, and, and give us an opportunity to have a roadmap for what it means and what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I, I think the longest trip that I ever took as a kid was uh, to Rapid City, South Dakota. I can remember only a few scant details, but I do remember that my parents, who aren't here so I can tell, tattletale on them, made the back seat into like a bed that we could lay in while we were driving on the highway. Like thinking about that now, I'm like, mom and dad, like how did you not get pulled over? <laughs> and I remember playing our Game Boys, the original Game Boys with like the lights and and probably asking our parents many times, are we there yet? Because Rapid City is no Panama City, but it's still ten, a little over 10 hours away. And I can only imagine how annoying that was for my parents because I think about my daughter, Myra, who's now just turned four, and we didn't have to teach her how to ask the question, are we there yet? Like, it just, it seems like kids just naturally at a certain age know to ask this question to annoy their parents. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the thing is, I think we need, the Bible calls us to be like little children. 
And my four-year-old, when we're driving, knows to ask, are we there yet? Because we're not there yet. And sometimes I think we as Christians who believe and trust and put our, put our faith in Christ forget to ask God, are we there yet? Are we there yet as individuals? Are we, here that, are we there yet as a community? And this brings me to something of what I would say is one of the nicest things Jesus says to any scribe or Pharisee in any of the texts that we have in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And so if you want to turn there, it's Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And you may recognize those verses if you were here for the neighboring series. These are the exact verses that we took from that, that Tom preached on uh, just that few months ago in September and October. So this may be, this may start jogging some memories as we go through this, and that's okay. And so here's, here's what Mark 12, 28 through 34 says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. So what, let's set the scene here for a second. So Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees. They're debating about different pieces of scripture and, and what's going on, and Jesus is answering their questions. And so he, this scribe hears the debate. And seeing he was answering them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These, there is no other commandment greater than these. So verse 32, the scribe says to him, him is Jesus. So the scribe, the scribe speaks to Jesus and says this, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. And there is no other beside him. And to, the, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and all the strength and to then to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So we kind of learned a little bit about sacrifices, what they did. They kind of absorbed sin somehow. So the scribe is saying, what you're saying is greater than any sacrifice. All of them. And Jesus answers this way. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. So Jesus says, one nice thing to ascribe, and everybody's like, we're not asking any more questions. We got one nice thing out of him. And so, the question is, are we there yet when it comes to neighboring? Are we there yet? Have we made it? And so this question, are we there yet, I want to break it up a little bit. Are we there? Where is there? It's a place. There, there denotes there's a destination in mind when we're asking the question. We don't ask this question when we don't have a place to go. Uh, have you ever driven around aimlessly? I mean, I have. It's those moments when I was 
you know, a parent of a two, one, two, three-year-old, and it's like, just go to sleep, and you have no destination in mind. You're just driving aimlessly, hoping your child, like, goes to sleep. Anybody recognize, have felt that? That's, that's me. Yes, we let our child fall asleep in our car seat. But oftentimes, when we ask this question, are we there yet? There is, in fact, a destination, a place, a thing we're going towards. And it's not an anywhere. It's a place. Imagine this conversation with somebody. So you get in the car and you're driving off. Imagine this conversation. You ask, are we there yet? I don't know, says the driver. What do you mean you don't know? Do you know where we're going? No. I didn't have a destination to go to. Then where are we going? I don't know. Are we there yet? Don't know. You would want to take over driving pretty quick. Let's be honest. You would want to take the reins away from that driver and say, we're going somewhere. I'm going to take us there. That's an annoying conversation, isn't it? That's circular reasoning. I don't know where we're going. And see, God has a destination in his Bible that we need to go towards. There's a place, a, a thing that he desires us to go to, and that is the kingdom of heaven. See, we have, we have just, it's not just a randomly selected place on the map that we're heading towards. There's a place there that he desires to bring us to, the kingdom of heaven. And this is not just once we're dead. I really like the little, like, RIP and the little person diving into heaven. I thought that's really funny because it's true. It's not just about us dying and going to heaven. The kingdom of heaven isn't, a, isn't about that. It's not, the kingdom of heaven isn't just there for once we're dead and they're excavating the ancient ruins of Superior Wisconsin for research in the 21st century cultures 4,000 years from now. It's for today. It's for right now. We must focus our faith not on the times of when we will die, but on our today. I think it is, and I don't want to minimize this. I don't want you sitting out there mad. Oh, it is about going to heaven. We have to give an account for our, our deeds. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We need a Savior who died on the cross for our sins so that when we do get to that time in our lives, when we cross over to the shores of the heavenly realm, that we, when we give an account, Jesus gives our, our account for us. We need that. But I think we spend too much time focusing on that as the destination and not bringing the kingdom of heaven to the world today. To now. So what is the kingdom of heaven today? What are we talking about? Well, first, I I really believe that it's not about death. It's about life today. That we can experience the kingdom of heaven right now, where we're at. It, we don't have to wait for it. We don't have to, 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 to pay our penance or to say our, our right amount of anything or pay the right amount of money. The kingdom of heaven is not about death. It's about life right now. It's a taste of t- things to come. So the kingdom of heaven today is a taste of things to come. We can receive forgiveness of our sins. We can receive healing. We can receive healthy relationships. We can receive healthy marriages. We can receive lots of things from God in our lives that reflect the kingdom of heaven and are a taste of the things to come. 
And it's something, lastly, it's something that we bring to earth. Look at the Lord's Prayer for a moment. I can, I quote, I'll quote it for you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is imploring us through the Lord's Prayer to, to, to ask, to desire, to want the kingdom of heaven here. Now, in our lives today, not just when we pass away. Now. And I think that neighboring is a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven because, honestly, Jesus says so. He just says it. All right, right? At the end, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. No greater commandment is there. And, and we can... We can be angry about our culture. We can be angry about our communities. We can be frustrated that the neighborhood is nothing like what it was when we were kids because everything was better when we were kids. McDonald's was better when we were kids. Lots of things were better when we were kids. And so our neighborhoods were better when we were kids too. But if we really believe that the neighborhood has has so been under attack and is so not what it used to be, then we should take courage. We should take, it should be like, yes, I am glad it's not like it used to be. You want to know why? Because that makes our mission and our calling all the more, all the more a, a light, all the more a difference for our, for our neighbors. They're going to look at us and say, well, they're not just like, you're not just like every other neighbor. They're going to go, what is these people's thing? Nobody's like them. And you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And that's okay. Because we're going to stick out, I want us to stick out in a good way. See, I think we all want to bring people into the things that we have had affect our lives. Right? You all have, you all have this show that you watched on Netflix and binged it in like two, two days because you couldn't stop watching it. And then you go to wherever, the church, here on Sunday morning, and you're like, ah, oh, I watched this great show and you got to see it and it's so good. Or places you eat. You go eat there and you love it and you go there every Friday or whatever and you love it and you think it's so great and you, 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 you proselytize the place you like to eat. You say, this place is great, this is awesome, this is so, you need to go eat there, it's so good. Right? So then why, why is there a disconnect here? I think church is awesome. I love our church. I love what we're doing here. I love worship. I get to play it. It's awesome. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love worship. I hope you love your church. I hope you love what God has done in your lives. Even though you might be going through something right now and you might be struggling through something, but God is still good. He's still giving you something even if it's just a hope for the future. Let me encourage you with this as we talk about the there we're going to. That humanity is searching for something, yet while they're still sinning. Right? Humanity is searching for something while they're still sinning. And that should be encouraging to us. Yet, Yet they're still sinning. Yet, where, when is yet? What time is yet? 
So yet is a, uh, is a form of time. It's saying something's going to happen or something is going to be taking place. I think, again, as a kid, we ask that question, are we there yet? Because we don't know if we're there. We don't know how much longer it's going to take. We don't know how much more time we're going to have to sit here and be bored. Can I? So this weekend, we went to Alexandria to visit my brother. And we traveled overnight on the way down. And I thought, this is the ticket. My girl will sleep. It's going to be great, right? And so to get her to sleep, we tried the like, reverse psychology. Hey, if you go to sleep, we'll get there sooner, right? And I thought for sure she was, she was tired, she was grumpy. And we told her, Myra, we know you want to go swimming, but we got a long trip ahead of us to go to get swimming. And so go to sleep, and we'll be there before you know it. It had the opposite effect. <laughs> she was more excited than I could ever imagine. She was like, are we there yet? How much longer is it going to be? Dad, I'm bored. Kids, I mean, seriously, you can't make this stuff up. It's not like I can sit here and, 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 and make this story up. I'm serious. She was more excited about the pool. If I, I think if we hadn't said anything, she probably would have fallen asleep. And as a parent, you go, oh, if we had just thought about this a little more. Jesus knows where he wants humanity to go. He knows how much time it's going to take. He's not surprised. See, he tells the scribe, and, and this, this has to kill me. This is going to kill me. You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. You're not far. You're so close. Matthew chapter 13 uh, is a place where we see a lot of teaching about what is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to go through a few verses real quick. Uh, just the first verses of, of each parable that talks about the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to put this in context of, of when is yet for us. 20, verse 24, so it's uh, Matthew 13, 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who is sowing good seed in his field. 31 of chapter 13. He put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard, uh, is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who searches for pearls. Again, verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathers fish of every kind. None of these verses, in my opinion, and take it for what it's worth, none of these verses and none of this teaching that I see is the yet that God is talking about in the kingdom of heaven, future-based. Look at it. Each verse is acting now. It's like a man who goes out and plants seed. It's like a man who goes out and plants a mustard seed. It's like a man who finds something and does something about it. It's like a merchant who searches. These are immediate terms. These are not future terms. These are immediate terms. Only experienced, only experienced today. Now, we need to help people understand, and we need to understand that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
It is here today. And then, there's still yet. I want to be honest with you. We have this doctrine that's, uh, that you may have heard, it's called already, but not yet. We have pieces of, of, the, of the kingdom of heaven. We have pieces of what God desires to do on earth. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth now, and Jesus' mission was fulfilled in doing that. He, Jesus is bringing heaven and earth together. Just like the video showed us, that heaven and earth is, is, is possible because of the cross coming together. And Jesus as a tabernacle in that imagery, when you, when you, if you go and read about that and, and research that, you'll go, God's a genius. <laughs> He's so smart. That's amazing. But sin, sin still separates us from the fullness of the kingdom of God. Tom, I was talking with Tom this week, and he likes to explain it like this. Imagine that heaven has a bunch of garden hoses coming down to earth that have the flow of the kingdom of heaven flowing through them. And some of those garden hoses are plugged because of sin, because of separation. So we get pieces, but not all of it. So we have already and not yet. And sometimes I think that can be an excuse for us as Christians. Well, we can't have the fullness yet, so... Why try? I'm still flawed. I'm still broken, so why, why put in the effort? And see, my question to you this morning through this, as we look at neighboring, is when is your yet? When is yet for you? When are you going to join the team? When are you going to get in the game? When are you going to become a, a team player? When are you going to become a leader or even maybe a superstar? And not that that means you have a big personality and flamboyant, but it means that you give greatly to the kingdom of heaven. When is your yet? Neighboring is important. And so I think we need to define this as, a, as individuals together. We need to th- say, when is yet for us? When are we going to get together and do this? When is yet? And I understand that sometimes we, we need to go through some things before we can, we can strike out and, and, and be as effective as we can. But oftentimes we just let it, let it go. We let yet be some distant future that's never defined, that never has a place. There are huge benefits to helping our neighbors, to, to becoming part of our community. And, and one of the things I, I kind of relate this to is I teach drums every once in a while, and I've been drumming for, since I was 13 years old. And one of the things that happens when I teach lessons is I have to work on the basics of drumming. I have to work on the fundamentals of how drumming comes together. And that's so good for me. I'm so glad to do that with, with the students because it helps me get to become a better drummer. I work on those fundamentals. I go through them again. I practice them again with them. And you think that it could be monotonous or boring, but boy, when you're really there and you're engaged, boy, you find you're doing some things wrong. You're making some mistakes. 
for drumming, your elbow's getting up a little bit, or you're, you're, you're playing wrong, or you're, doing, you're forgetting to use those fundamentals. And when we help others meet Jesus through neighboring, we have to work on the basics. You're going to find that the fundamentals maybe aren't as solid as you thought they were. There'll be places as you go through this that you're going to have to work out your faith through fear and trembling. It's going to be good. I promise you, it's going to be good. You start neighboring, you're going to, you're going to find spiritual growth that you never thought was there. Want to know why? Because you have to work on the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are what helps us grow. Neighboring. Like a good neighbor. Are you there yet? See, it only takes a few seconds or minutes, depending on how big your yard is, to cross your yard. Knowing your neighbor's names only takes meeting them a few times in one week. It's not complicated. You just have to meet them a few times in one week and you'll remember their names. I guarantee it. It's possible to even maybe call your neighbor's friends with just a, few, a month of consistent visiting. And who knows after years of getting to know them, of investing time with them, caring about them, you may even find and consider that neighbor one of your closest friends you've ever had. My fear in neighboring and living this life is that we get to the end of it and God says, you were close to the kingdom of God. You were close. You were so close. Just like that scribe. See, it's the nicest thing that I think Jesus said to any scribe. I really do. He didn't have a lot of nice things to say to the scribes and Pharisees. But to me, as I read that, that is the most... It is the most, I, I, I don't even know all the words to say. You go, oh, oh, you were close. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we define our yet? How do we ask ourselves, are we there yet? And I have two thoughts for you. Two action steps for neighboring in your life. And the first one I think is pretty logical. Start learning to neighbor here. This community, this church, we, want, we are a community that wants to seek after God together. We desire to build relationships together and get closer to God together. And if you can't build community and you can't build neighboring, a neighboring spirit here in your church, you have no hope of doing it in your community. Not in a healthy way. And so desire to build neighboring relationships with people here at Central Assembly. Meet somebody today. Here, here's the thing. It doesn't take much. Five minutes. But try meeting somebody today you've never met at this church. Ask them how their day went. 
Ask them what they thought about the person who spoke the sermon, his clothes, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, but just have some small conversation with somebody you've never met before. That's step number one, I think, in neighboring, is practice being, good neighbor, uh, being a good neighbor here. And the other thing, as an action step, is prepare. Put it in your calendar. Put it on your refrigerator. Do whatever you need to do to encourage yourself to prepare for neighboring. Whether that's dealing with the hurt that you've had from past neighbors and friends, or it's just stepping out and trying something. So here's the deal. We're going to sing another song together. We're going to sing Greater Again. We're going to sing that song that we introduced to you uh, just a little bit ago. We're going to sing that. We'll close. If you're a small group leader, we enc- I encourage you, come forward. Uh, be ready to pray with anybody. If you have a prayer request or any need that you need prayer for, come forward. We're going to sing one more, like I said, we'll sing one more song, and then we'll get going. So let's do this. Let's stand together, and let's worship together. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, encourage us. Are we there yet? Lord, and I ask that your spirit would speak to us. Lord, I ask for your conviction. Lord, I ask for your encouragement. And Lord, I ask that you would be with us the rest of our time. In your name.